0: listening to Unique Leaders Podcast. I'm Megan DiMartino. Success is in the story. Each week, I'll be speaking with a unique leader, not only in their field, but in their lives. Join us for a glimpse of their passion and talents. There's always a surprise in their story. Be the first to hear. Hello, 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 and welcome to Unique Leaders Live. I'm Megan DiMartino, and today is Friday my favorite day of the week, and not because it's almost the weekend, but because of Unique Leaders Live. I am so thrilled to have my guest, Barbara Majewski, with me today and have Barbara share with you her amazing story of hope and infinite possibilities and truly just over the horizon. But it is really a story of Barbara's life as well as all of our other guests. So, It is on YouTube, it will be on a podcast, all the platforms next week. So today it's live on all social media platforms. So do share this out because I know not only you will benefit from Barbara's story, but all of your friends, family, colleagues, everyone. So share this out because it truly is an amazing story of resilience, hope, possibilities, and it's never too early or too late to create the life of your dreams. So, without further ado, I'd like to introduce to you my guest, Barbara Majeski. Hello. Hello. <laughs> hello.
1: I've been looking
0: forward to this, Barbara. Very, nice. It's going
1: to be a lot of fun. I'm really grateful our paths
0: have crossed. It was meant to be. It was divine, divine. Then, I mean, you know, I think about Manhattan Island in the middle. I'm just kind of on the east, and you're on the west. You yeah. Know? And so. <laughs> So we're just uh, New York girls, right? New, and, York, uh, New York at heart. Absolutely. So Barbara, you know, as I shared, uh, this is about you, about your story. And I have found in doing over a year of Unique Leaders Live, um, lives and podcasts that people so resonate with my guest stories because everyone is unique and they're leaders, but they started somewhere. And people forget that. You know, I'm asked all the time, how did you know to do a skincare line? How would you know to start a spa? I was asked that just yesterday on um, a clubhouse room. And it was like, well, it didn't just happen. And so basically it goes back to the beginning. So why don't you share a little bit about young Barbara and, and just, you know, your dreams and goals and aspirations that you might remember, but lead into where you are today.
1: Well, thanks, Megan. And I find you such an inspiration. You lead from the front and you inspire me and so many others. So it's a gift to be here because it does show so much of what I can ultimately constantly reinvent myself and do and What I love about this conversation is that we have many, many chapters within our life, but sometimes we get stuck in narratives that aren't serving us. Um, But to bring you back, I am actually a twin. So I have a twin brother. I was an only child for four minutes. It was amazing. (laughs) Um, My younger twin brothers that were also a surprise. So I'm one of two sets of twins. Um, As crazy as that is, my mother is a triplet. We do naturally multiply as Mm -hmm. a family. Mm -hmm. Um, I am a mother of three. But twins run in our family, as does a condition known as Fragile X, which is a genetically inherited form of neurological impairment. It's much like Down syndrome. So my younger brother, Stephen, has Fragile X and I was diagnosed much later. But developmentally, because he had a twin who was is neurotypical and was developing, hitting the milestones, they were able to see that Stephen wasn't developing the same. And at a very young age, because I am the only girl, and I don't know, and I want to make it a gender issue, but I I naturally had very maternal instincts Mm -hmm. to protect him. And he struggled to speak, and my parents sat my twin brother and I down when we were about six and told us that Steven wouldn't develop like other children. Uh, He would, he would struggle to speak. He had had some seizures and just wasn't showing signs of being able to, to speak. And I remember saying, I was like, don't worry, I'll, I'll speak for him. I'll, you know, I'll be his voice for the world. And as young as I was, I think it really was, it has been a thread throughout my life. And it was when I was ultimate, when I was going through my cancer treatments in 2016 for stage three cancer, that I really had some clarity to what my purpose is. Mm-hmm. And I had this moment because I reflected on all the things i had accomplished in my life and all the things I had done because I thought, you know, if this is where my story ends, how am I going to be remembered? And I really let, reflected
0: Let me interrupt it. you for a sec. Yeah, well, so you, your folks sat you and your brother down at as you were at six. And, and where was this? Were you in uh, the New Jersey area at that time?
1: We were in New Jersey, and I actually just prior to that had been giving Michael and Stephen a bath. Now, why a six-year-old is giving three-year-old twins a bath? We don't know. It's it's the <laughs> 70s. This is what we did. I do remember there was like a water, like you never filled the water very high, and I was very, I was. They were very much my my twins. Mm-hmm. I felt like my parents brought me home little live dolls to dress up. They weren't girls, which I wanted, but I was like, I'll take them. And uh, unfortunately, Stephen had (laughs) had a seizure Uh, unbeknownst to me. It wasn't submerged underwater. And from that point, he was rushed to the hospital. He did his heart stop beating. It was very traumatic. I didn't hear those stories until much later. Mm -hmm. But I do remember him being gone for a month and my parents being gone and being very scared. And all I wanted them to do was bring home my baby. Like that was my, those were my children, my baby. They're more of my dolls and my play toys than mm-hmm. they were my children. Um, and I just felt like one of my ba- my little play dolls were needed to come home and they were about ready to bring steven home from the hospital and that's when the conversation took place but i was so excited that he was coming home that in any form or fashion i was like just bring him you know i gotta you know that he Mm -hmm. needs me and um and that was it that was the change really the trajectory or shaped i would say not change but shaped
0: the trajectory of my life yes and so um your brother your twin brother uh, are you the oldest children of this? We're, yes. We're, tribe? The, we're yes. the
1: first. That, yes. You yeah. were the
0: first pregnancy that your mm-hmm. mom had. Mm-hmm. And so, like you said, it changed the or it uh, shaped, shaped your life. You know, you are such a um, huge heart and a um, open person. And so I can truly see how, like you said, it shaped, you know, like the heart that your uh, empathy for Stephen and your family just evolved from there, so you were that almost the co-mother of this uh, this group. Oh, for sure. I, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought they were.
1: My, I mean, I like. I thought they were mine. It's
0: like, push her I, Yes, and I so did. and so. You now live in Princeton. Were you always in the uh, New Jersey Princeton area?
1: So my, I guess my early years were in Livingston, New Jersey, but I uh, was born at at St. Barnabas Hospital. And then my parents did move us to Princeton uh, for a better education when I was in sixth grade. So I started sixth grade here and then, you know, I moved around through college. I went to school in Maryland. And then when I had my own kids, I was like, I've got to come back to, you know, I knew I know this area. Mm So I'm, I'm back. I, I live about eight miles away from my parents and my younger twin brothers. Now one is married and Michael has two kids and then Stephen lives with my parents. So I see,
0: I see and your folks live in in the area as well.
1: Yeah, they're uh, there. They live in the area. Stephen mm-hmm. still lives with my parents. Um, mm-hmm. I am Stephen's legal guardian. So I do a little advocacy for him. COVID's mm-hmm. been a little difficult. Um, I'm not going to lie. COVID's mm-hmm. been a little difficult. Um, there's not his programs are no longer running. He, he did an adult daycare program. And for some reason, it hasn't never Opened back up for him. We were uh-huh. struggling a little bit. So Stephen mm-hmm. doesn't have a lot to do, but um, they did spend a week at my shore house last week. So mm-hmm. they're, not, they're not all that bad.
0: <laughs> so you, so in the early uh, career days, uh, you went to college in Maryland, as you shared. Um, and then what was you? Because now I don't want to jump ahead of what you're doing currently. But in what after school, what were your career and what compelled you to the career path? that you might have taken or did take? That's a great question.
1: So I actually went to college for health education. I was always into, you know, wellness and taking care of myself, which is kind of ironic because I ended up with stage three colon cancer, mm-hmm. but I've always been a very like active, healthy person. So I decided to study health, Pfft, whatever, you know how that goes. You study this, yeah. you do that. Mm-hmm. But when I, so I put myself through college, I in tables, I taught aerobics at Belly's total fitness. Uh, I worked at the student union. Um, it's very, I just was always committed. If I, my thought was always to take care of steven and if i didn't put myself through college i'd never be able to take care of him my biggest fear was he would be institutionalized and that fear was a huge motivator um and then when i got out of college in that same vein of thought i was like oh i couldn't just take a job i was getting job offers of like 30 dollars a year you know this is the early 2000s mm-hmm. and i thought <laughs> Was it there? No, it was late. No, no, no. It was like 1997. I'm like, oh my God. I don't know when, I don't know which day is up. I don't know. How old I am. <laughs> right. um, but Eight I remember, years. yeah, I'm like, Oh my God. I literally am going to my 30th high school year. So, but I remember I was like, oh, I can't take a job because a job I was predicated on like how much money I made was predicated on like the overall, if somebody liked my, like subjective, mm-hmm. you know, did the overall company hit their objective goals? Like I didn't have any control over how much money I made. It was really, predicated on somebody else. And I really, I felt like that was a lack of authority and lack of control. And being that I always wanted to take care of Steven, um, from a very young age, I was like, I need to make money. I was like, I don't know what I need to do. But I need to make money. And Mm -hmm. I couldn't just be an employee, I had to find an opportunity based career path, which I don't think many people are going to argue it's entrepreneur. It's sales. That's it. You got to sell. And that's what I ended up in was a startup sales company going door to door, business to business, cold call, straight mission. Um, was really hard. It was really, um, was a risk, but ultimately I, I, I had a lot of intuition and a lot of like Mm -hmm. clarity of like, all right, if I do well, and then I can build sales team. Like I just saw the the trajectory of it. It's my word of the day, clearly. And So I ended up in this crazy startup. Oh my god! And you understand this because you're an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm, very much. Everyone told me I was a. I mean, it was nuts. Mm-hmm. No salary, commission based, cold call sales, pay for your own. You know, uh, car. You know, gas. No, mm-hmm. like no draw or whatever fancy stuff people have. To, nothing. You're gonna pay your way, and you're an independent contractor. So i just saw opportunity and i also saw that the people that were leading this were very ambitious didn't Mm -hmm. have a person but they were ambitious Mm -hmm. and i was like they're really strong thought leaders i'm very ambitious and i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna stay with these guys um people told me i should quit get a real job it had no health benefits people like you need health benefits and I was like, all right, well, if this doesn't work out, I kept saying, if this doesn't work out, I'll get a real, uh, if this doesn't work out, I'm still saying that if this doesn't work out, I'll get a real job. My, gonna, my, my. I think
0: I'm doing okay. Exactly. <laughs> I still I still, I'm still saying that Barb. So yes.
1: Yeah. 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 If people are saying that to you, you need to get a real job. You're probably doing the right things because I think you being courageous and entrepreneurial and taking risks uh, kind of intimidates other people, you know, that are playing it safe, you know,
0: mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. people, you know, I, I don't know what that is about. My parents were like, go for it. But <laughs> like, okay. oh, they did. Oh, I was going to ask because, you know, I I just want to stop here for a sec, because in this very uh, quick, quick paced uh, changing world, I mean, it's just, you know, the pace of the changes are exponential That I mean, I'm on other podcasts. You are. Uh, People ask me all the time, again, how did you know to do this? Again, it was an evolution of career. We'll get to the further of your career. But what you're sharing with people right now is so key for people to understand. This was the genesis. You learned so much through this. And people, in reinventing themselves, which people are doing today, this is a very important piece to understand. And so your folks said, go for it. My father once said to me, you're not a salesperson, again, back to sales, unless you're a commissioned salesperson. Mm -hmm. And his point was exactly what you're saying, is that you're setting your own destiny, you're setting your own benchmark for success.
1: I love that your father said that. I was really fortunate. I just don't think my parents put me in a box. You know, I just, they just did not And they never gave me, they never imposed their fears on me. They were never like, well, what if, and they didn't do it. And I fear so many other parents. Yes. Oh, I don't, you know, they just want to like dump all their fears. And it's not out of bad intention. No. It's actually the best of intention. But the interpretation is like, oh, I shouldn't do that. Or I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I can't, I, I'll fail at that. And the, and it's just these, we're already afraid. Like the, we're already intimidated by our own, like the unknown. Mm-hmm. We don't need anybody else like enhancing that narrative. And I think my parents just were like, what do you have to lose? And did they have skepticism at times where they like, what the hell is going on? Right. 100%. There was a time. So we were a startup in Atlanta, Georgia tech, going business to business for 18 and Phone services have been deregulated. We're knocking on doors. We're like, hey, instead of staying with Bell, Atlant- Bell South, mm-hmm. we'll move over to AT&T for local service, which sounds like shooting fish in a bucket because it's like so obvious, but was not. Still law of averages, still numbers game, got to get to the, mm-hmm. like all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of a sudden another company was like, we want you up in Pennsylvania. And a bunch of us moved. We moved. Mm-hmm. So I unpacked my stuff, rented an apartment, did the whole thing. And that Monday that client pulled out and all of a sudden they were like, there's nothing to do. And no, we were in nowhere, Pennsylvania. I don't know where I, I can't even remember. My parents had moved me in and then within I'd say 72 hours, they were moving me out and they were like, "What? Have, what, the hell are you doing? And I was definitely like, <laughs> I don't know, but I've gone this far and I ain't going to bail now. You know, I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm already like, I was like, I'm. Uh, I don't know what. I don't know that I should have. I could have, and a lot of people did quit at that point. But I was mm-hmm. like, kind of in it to win it,
0: and uh, I don't know. I was. Were the, were the original guys that you, like you said, they were go getters, and you uh, had a lot of respect. Were they still involved? Oh yeah, we. The, or everyone's still there. Actually, everyone's yeah. still there. You know, I'm not
1: there anymore, but I do have a percentage of mm-hmm. the value of the company that is now. Uh, one of the largest outsourced sales company in the world. I think it is the number one largest outsourced ha- sales company in North America. Um, I could be wrong on that, but I somewhere up there. Um, so it's a huge company, but it was a little rinky dink bunch of Yahoo's with a yeah. lot of like, a lot of companies would outsource to us. If we started expand, like the whole logic was there, but we had to go through some like hiccups and we were all in our twenties. Yeah. We were, we were just all in our twenties. And, um, so yeah, I really will I wanna just wrap this with a bow in the importance of when we're parenting, yes. we're leading as parents, and we're coaching, and it's sometimes you just gotta let the play play itself out yes. and let people fall so that they can learn. And I think my parents just gave me so much bandwidth and faith that I would make good decisions, mm-hmm. but because they had faith that I would make good decisions, I think I made good decisions so it's like what comes first the chicken or the egg right the decisions so that I prove them or did they believe that I would make good decisions irrelevant it's like how do you get that cycle of thought Mm -hmm. to be uh embedded within your psyche of like all right what do you what I have to lose
0: um but you had already I don't want to say proven but you had already shown your own resilience to yourself because Mm -hmm. again you, uh, I know this only because I've heard you share this. You paid for your uh, college. You, you, you were, uh, you are a person. When you make a decision, you follow through with it. Is what I have seen with Barbara Majeski.
1: Uh, thank you. I appreciate that, and I think that many people are. I, I do feel that uh, what I have is perseverance mm-hmm. and persistence. And as Marie Florio always said. Everything is figure outable. And I don't think th- that wasn't the language that I used, but I did say, yes. figure it out. Like mm-hmm. the word figure outable, that's Marie Florio. But mm-hmm. I was of the thought, figure it out, make it work, make it work, figure it out. Where, you know, like keep moving the feet forward, take the next right step. And just like you talk about, it's like, how did you get into skin skincare, and how did you get into podcasting? It's taking the next right step of like, okay reverse engineer and you want to be here. How do you reverse engineer mm-hmm. all of that? And uh, for me, I was like, all right, figure this out, mm-hmm. step back,
0: mm-hmm.
1: keep moving the feet forward. Um, I don't know. I just, some things I'm like, Ooh. but I would say I didn't go this far to go this far. So I'm still going. <laughs>
0: exactly. You know, one thing that you don't speak about, um, and I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about myself, and my life and others. Uh, so you were in your early 20s. Um, and when did you get married? How old were you then? I got married 30. I got married at 30. Yeah. 30. So, were, so you were committed to building, you know, regardless of relationships and the like. But you were so I I don't want to put words in your mouth. Uh were you focused on building your own empire, so to speak, or your foundation? Let's just say that. Uh before you uh did uh, get married?
1: Yeah, I was pretty career oriented at that time. I don't think I was very marriage or I felt like that would all fall into place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like it's like that, what will be will be. I was so committed to providing life for myself and my brother that everything else wasn't really a priority. I wasn't worried about having children. I wasn't, I thought, you know, the world had a lot of faith in the in my destiny. I had a lot of faith that my destiny was going to be good.
0: That's a good one, Barbara.
1: That is yeah, really I think, powerful. I, I think I really did. I felt like I was a good person. Mm-hmm. I did my best. I'm flawed in all the things. And I continue to make mistakes like a, a, a huge mistakes all the time. And I hope to learn from them and apologize. And like, I hope people offer for me grace, but I did feel like I was worthy of a, a really magical, destiny, but I would never put, I was never like, oh, I want to have, I thought, well, if I don't have my own kids, I'll be a really amazing stepmother. I felt like in whatever capacity I was going to be a mother, I was going to be a mother. Whatever mm-hmm. that looked like was a little obscure to me, I, but I ended up being my own I'm a mom to three kids now mm-hmm. um, and they're friends. I mean, I love them like my own, my niece, I treat my niece and nephew. I like, mm-hmm. honestly, some days I say to my brothers, I'm like, can I just have your kids? Cause I just love them. I was like, I'm like, oh, my
0: God, they're so cute. (laughs) So so you were building this career. And and so, like you said, let's tie a bow on that. But did you do anything from there to uh, or did you do that up to the time that you married or were there other career steps in there?
1: I, that's all I did. I What I ended up doing, the, the door-to-door sales ended up really, AT&T loved us, and they should have, because we were bringing them the customer that they couldn't get their hands on. The mm-hmm. pain point for AT&T was the small to medium-sized business owner, wasn't taking telemarketing, wasn't reading their junk mail, wasn't converting over to their new services, and they needed a, a feed on the street to just show up and sit down with their bills. And outsourcing was the only way to really uh, monetize, you know, like to really the the logic of internalizing a sales team was silly. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But outsourcing made sense. So that's what always resonated with me. I'm like, yeah, if AT&T internalized this, they'd have to fly people all across the United States. But if we open up offices. Yes. They just send it to- so what ended up happening was me as a sales a feed on the street girl. I ended up opening offices and and hiring sales teams all across the United States. So I started opening up little satellite offices. We not only represented AT&T, then gas and Energy deregulated. We were on college campuses to be up for credit cards. We were at event promotions. La, 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 la. Wow, I wow. was working. I was like, I did. Uh, I mean, honestly, I was like, uh, like the, the 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 bring bring over the brink's truck. It was
0: uh, <laughs> right. I was, right, right. I was yeah. But you think about it, that was the beginning of the. Uh, I don't want to say globalization, but the breaking down and and opening up very fascinating it was the evolution of outsourcing
1: and where Mm -hmm. it was really like how do companies continue to make profits you know without hiring hiring employees became so expensive Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of liability but when you outsource it all of a sudden they just paid per customer acquisition got the residual Mm -hmm. sale it was like this win 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 um, and for me, and we have to understand, my first year doing this, I made $12,000. So everyone's like, oh, my God. And when you hear this story, you're like, sign me up and send me the Brinks truck. <laughs> uh, you know, listen, I'm leaving out a few details, like the saltines and the salsa years. So okay, Amen. Year two <laughs> Brinks showed up and was like, "Hey Babs, uh, it took a few, it took some time, but when it all started to fall into place, which actually I'm hoping my, this second chapter that I'm in, I'm on the the precipice of that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did, it started to fall into place. <laughs> but that was where I really spent my 20s. Um, I ultimately got married. Um, I married somebody within that organization, um, and he was 10 years older." Uh, Majeski, that's where I get my new last, my last, that's my last name and my children's <laughs> last name. Uh, so we, uh, we got married and quickly started a family and decided I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. Um, that was a difficult transition, won't lie on that one. That was a little bit like a gear shift from sixth gear to like, I was like, arr, arr, arr. Oh, awesome. like yes. grinding gears. I was like, okay, all right, here we go. Wow. And a funny story. I have to share it. Otherwise I'm going to forget it because I haven't shared it yet. I did not, I didn't have friends who had kids and I'd been in the workforce. So I was like, and I worked with young, 20 nothing year olds, you know, like we were all just a bunch of yahoos trying to make up. So I have my first son, and somebody, I have a baby shower, they're giving me a bunch of stuff. I've never even been to a baby shower. I know nothing about babies. So people somebody bought me a diaper bag. So I, my, I have my son, Gabe. I'm like, okay, well, what do, what, do, what, do, what, do, what do I do in this mom land? I had heard that you go to music classes, like Gymboree. <laughs> sign me up, sign me up. I'm going to Gymboree. So I sign up, it's my first like outing and I fill my diaper bag. So it's a diaper bag. So I fill it with 72 diapers. My other bag, I carry everything else: my wallet, my purse. So I'm literally with with the baby Bjorn with Gabe, a 142-pound infant. He is the biggest infant. If you see a picture, his track has been like beast mode. He's ginormous. So (laughs) I have giant meatball in the baby Bjorn. I'm not a big woman, so I'm I'm sweating because I'm carrying 72,000 diapers in the diaper bag. And I never bought, so I'm doing this over and over again. And all of a sudden I'm a Gymboree, this is weeks later. And I peek into somebody else's diaper bag and I'm like, where are all their diapers? <laughs> Why are they only traveling with like, and like they only had like, they had all things. And I swear to God until this day, I'm like, what was I thinking traveling? I said, <laughs> <laughs> my whole diaper bag was filled with diapers. I thought about taking things so literally. I'm so black and white, but that is my personality. I'm like, <laughs> I
0: but like- if, if you were hijacked and you had enough diapers for a while. So, you know, you were prepared. I was prepared, we prepared for 72 blowouts. From that is a great. Life. That is he great. great. I don't know how much he was going to. That's out. why I asked you that question earlier, because, again, as a single parent, you know, and knowing my psyche and my dreams, goals and aspirations and drive, um, you know, obviously I had a husband, in the, you know, in the beginning. But <laughs> but, um, but regardless, you know, um, I you and I have a lot of affinity and I knew that there was that piece there, you know, mm-hmm. that you just had that drive and this was part of you. And then, like you s- just said, because this is important for some people to hear. Then all of a sudden it was like, you know, all of a sudden from six gear to a zero, the car was parked. Yeah. And um, that's a tough transition. Tough.
1: It's tough. a tough transition if it wasn't on your list of things to do. I was never, I don't know, I guess my thought had always been make money, take care of Steven, make money, take care of, make money, make money, make money and provide for Steven and provide a life for myself. So it was a bit of a like, Oh my God, I actually checked that box. Now Mm -hmm. I thought that I was like, okay, I checked that box. Now I have to, now I'm going to do this. Um, But I did eventually figure it out, I mean, there were just a, a comedy of errors. Thank God Gabe was the easiest child ever um, like one time, I showed up at Gymboree and I made my friend Mora, who were still really great friends, and she's like, "He's busting out of that outfit." And I was like, "Yeah, but the outfit's a zero to three months." So she goes, "Well, that's a that's a general. This is how black and white I am." She's like, "That's a general suggestion." She's like, "He's about the size of a linebacker," and <laughs> she goes, "He looks like a sausage. He's busting." And I was like, "Ow!" Oh. But I this is how literally I just. <laughs> Hate within the lines. I'm like, oh, OK. Note to self. OK. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, I don't even I shouldn't even tell these stories. Dypha should be called.
0: <laughs> no, but I'm thinking there needs to be a show about this. I mean, these stories. Not just a book. Not just a book. There has to be, a, you know, there has to be something. Every time if he it. cried, I stuck
1: a bottle in his mouth. I was like, oh, my God, he's hungry. Oh, my God, he's hungry. And no wonder he was a linebacker. I don't know. But, <laughs> Crying, he's hungry. Like I don't know, my, I cry when I'm hungry. <laughs> it's <So> like, <laughs> oh my god, we have to move on before diapers is exactly. <laughs> But it's all great now, and I have an amazing relationship with all three of them, and yeah. they've all survived and they're thriving. I really, I have a great, great. They have great
0: kids, so I'm really lucky. And so during this season of building your family, and uh, you've done a lot of philanthropic work, and this story. Um, I do wanted to share you know about how uh with the work you did and went it segway into today's show but do share about your illness do share about that
1: sure so um, in 2015 the summer of 2015 actually Uh, my marriage actually fell apart first and in a blaze of glory uh really just was blindsided my husband was no longer interested in being married to me and well uh that's for the book but uh i was a third i'm a third wife and uh i basically had just expired and uh i was devastated i was i thought i married the man of my dreams and I was very much in love with him and, uh, very handsome, very successful, charming, all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, it's not that I was so surprised. I just was devastated. I, mm-hmm. I you know, when somebody's mm-hmm. affections aren't reciprocated, yes. but I really thought if I checked all the boxes, I would be the, the third and done, mm-hmm. uh, didn't quite work out that way. And on the heels of that, um, disastrous end, uh, I got diagnosed with stage three cancer. Mm -hmm. And initially when they're telling me I have cancer, I couldn't even listen to it. I was like, I actually can't have cancer right now because I'm going to go through a divorce. So if you can go back in your files and pick me out something a little lighter, I'll go ahead and I'll take that. Thank you, Alex. Okay. Bye. And, uh, they did not come back with anything lighter. I actually had to have, um, a foot of my large intestine removed, uh, 24 lymph nodes. And unfortunately, the tumor was so far advanced, it had perforated the intestinal wall and it was already in my lymph nodes. So this was not good. And I remember a nurse friend saying to me, she's like, when the pathology comes back, as long as they don't say lymph nodes, you're gonna be okay. And sure enough, they said lymph it's in your lymph nodes. And I was like, rut row. Um, so I had to have six months of chemo and I will say that kind of sucks. And I do wanna take a beat in this because if you have audience listeners that are 45 and older, you've got to get screened because this uh, colon cancer is, doesn't look like your older, uh, he, uh, older man's disease. It's actually crushing. I lost a friend this weekend, 48 years old, same age as me. She was also a stage three, just like me. In 2017, she was diagnosed and she passed. So this is a PSA. Cause I, when oh, I, NPS, PSA, right. I throw it out there. Um, and chemo sucks a lot more than a colonoscopy. So for all you people that are like squeezing your butt cheeks right now, let me just say to you.
0: Yes. Yes. Chemo. Okay. Take heed folks. Take yeah,
1: heed. Take them just, and by the way, it's a cleanse. You get a little, you lose a few pounds. You look good. Um, so yeah, I had to go through that and I Cancer didn't bother me as much as chemo did. Chemo, and you've been through it. I believe uh, your your uh, late husband passed from cancer. Yes.
0: yes. Oh, no. Well, he had Alzheimer's, but uh, but I know many people. Oh, okay. Okay. To yeah. God, not at this time. No. Yeah. All, yes.
1: It is. And colon cancer is the most treatable, beatable cancer. That's the frustrating part of it. If you get it early enough, you don't. My dad didn't have to have chemo. He had to have. So if it's in your family, you have a high. Again, my genetics are twins. You know, I'm like the genetic uh, thing there. So anyway, I went through my six months of chemo, and honestly, in the middle of it, I was like, I ain't got this. I, I, I do not have this. I thought I did. I had this great attitude. You got this. You're a f- la 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 la. I had 12 rounds by round eight or nine. I was like, no, 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 no. I don't have this. And I was bumping up against an infusion. So when you have an infusion, your body recalibrates and then you go in for your next infusion and then you're down and then you get, you come back up. And by the time you get to the next infusion, you're kind of, you're like, all right, I got it. And then you get knocked down and then you get, slowly, you just don't recalibrate. And I Mm -hmm. was like, I had my infusion and I was like, down here like my Mm -hmm. baseline is here and I was like oh I'm not even I can't get another infusion there I'm not going to survive it I there's nothing to me I was a bag of bones Mm. I was like this is where my story ends this is where my story ends 42 years old I had three kids my story ends and I thought oh my god how are my kids going to remember me? And I really did reflect on all the things I was really proud of, but also reflected on all the things that I just had never done, like Mm -hmm. all the things I wanted to do. And I let so many insecurities, um, false beliefs, limiting beliefs, uh, fears, apprehensions. And the, the worst was I cared more about the, what other people thought about me and all of it really did malign, you know, uh, it moved me from mo- you know doing these things, and I made a vow. It's like get me out of, all right, universe. Give me another shot, and I will never play small. I'll never let the weight of other people's opinions affect mm-hmm. me the way I let it. Fear, mm-hmm. self-doubt. I had already, listen, my husband ended my marriage. I already walked. I, I've already, that was already my a big friend. I, I seem to be still be breathing. So I was like, "What? what's the worst? People are going to judge you? People are going to judge you anyway. I decided I'm just going to give the world a lot more to talk about right. if we get another shot. Right. And uh, that's how I ended up on the day show. That's my long, the short the short version.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. But you, one of the things I thought was really um like you said, the self-doubt and so forth. But during that season, you, again, were very philanthropic, very involved as sort of the art uh, uh, organization that you're promoting right now on Facebook. Um, You know, you're very involved in your community. You're very involved with your family, obviously, your children, but also um, giving back. And so you were doing something that you were given an, um, an award for, and that is indirectly how you got on to the Today Show because oh, I feel that it again back. To, I'm very sensitive to the audience of hearing different points, and it is about like you've been through hell and back.
1: I love that story, by the way. It, you're, you're talking about how I ended up on the Today Show. Yes, yes. I'm going to tell your audience that right now because there is a. Uh, what do you call it? Like a little quip that is, we we just, oh, the more you give, the more you get. That is you give with your heart and you live a life of service. The universe will reward you in triplicate. Lead without fear. Lead with the understanding that the universe will conspire in your favor. Give with abundance. Give with love. Mm-hmm. So in um, 2009, I went on a medical humanitarian mission um, with my friend Molly dare who you see on clubhouse mm-hmm. Molly and I go way back and we went on this mission which is interesting because so many people went to her house for that to meet the founders and everybody's like well, I'm going on a mission I'm going on a mission the only two people that showed up for the mission are actually Molly and me wow because so now we're those two there we're the one we we found each other back in clubhouse wow we didn't, bring each other to clubhouse we reconnected through clubhouse wow. good story there because i I'm, I'm very i'm a very loyal friend and so is she and um so we went on this medical mission and on the flight home what happened on this so it's for operation smile they clip they fix cleft lips, mm-hmm. cleft lips free of charge in third world countries and when you go there's a screening day and then there's an like there's a qualifying day and there's three rooms And the first two rooms, people are called in and they're told all the expectations, Tylenol, this is blah, blah. But the third room they're pulled in and their child didn't qualify Mm -hmm. and they could not qualify because they have like a a fever of 98 degrees. Like they can be disqualified Mm -hmm. like you can't imagine. But the truth is they can't have any liabilities in these surgeries. So they are very, very particular and this is a surgery here in the United States. It doesn't matter where you fall in the socioeconomic spectrum. You're getting that surgery, but mm-hmm. that's not everywhere else. Meanwhile, it's like this 45 minute surgery that can change literally the path of your life. Mm-hmm. And on the flight home, I'm like, well, what happens to room number three? What, I, I, what, what, how does this work? Like what is this woman? Didi was like, well, if we get to fund a mission, another mission is funded, we'll go back and they will get another chance. And I said, well, Colgate sponsored that mission how, how I'll sponsor. How do you, how much does it cost? And there, she was like, $150,000. And I was like, all right, I'm going to raise $150,000. Now you have to understand. I never raised $5. I sucked at Girl Scouts. I don't know. I just wasn't in it. <laughs> and, and any charity I had done up to that point was, I wrote a check. I was like, all right, you know, right. but mm-hmm. I had this whole, like at this time I was a stay-at-home mom. I had this resource of, because I had started then that sales company, I was like, wait a second. i got this whole contact list like i got a pretty steep rolodex at this point i'm like let me see what i can do and i'm like well colgate can sponsor mission so can barbara majeski i'm like let me figure this out and i was like i'm gonna sponsor mission and the thought was so like logical because at this point that little sales company had like 300 offices across the united states so i was like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna have everybody do a fundraiser everybody will raise a thousand dollars like the thought, right, Megan, is like, yeah. right. you have these great ideas. Right. And then we're like, what? it's like we're, we're geniuses. I was like, I'm a genius. I'm going to raise this in 15 minutes. Colgate, watch out. When I tell you it took 18 months <laughs> to raise $150,000, everyone was all jazzed about it. <laughs> I motivate, you know, everyone was inspired. But when the rubber met the road, there was a big abyss between wanting to do it and executing it, and I was right. like, well, "Why aren't you hosting your fundraisers anymore?" <gasps> but once I got that, and that, by the way, the impetus for all this was strictly in the vein: What if that was my brother?
0: Yes, I knew you going to say that mm-hmm. in,
1: in the Dominican Republic,
0: mm-hmm. and he
1: didn't have any any microphone, like mm-hmm. I, I'm his microphone, right? Mm-hmm. He didn't have anybody to amplify his needs or his wants. I and his sister, mm-hmm. so it was to me, it was like all those Stevens left Mm -hmm. the Dominican or or India or wherever they were. Mm I was like, oh my God, like, what if that was Steven? I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to use my voice. Mm -hmm. All I got is a voice. I can't perform surgeries. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna sew your little mouth out. You know, I'm gonna do that. But I have a voice and that is my gift. And I did that. And we went on the first mission, snowballed because once my team that had done the fundraising Went on the mission to Brazil. They went went to Brazil. They came back, and they was like, "They're like, there's no way we're not going to keep this going." So all of a sudden, like it's like that train leaving the depot. Like, oh my god, it was so much work in the beginning, but then yeah, the momentum. Oh, I was like, "Let's go, let's go, let's go!" And next thing you know, I get a humanitarian award from from Operation Smile. I am a stay at home mom. Mm-hmm. When I left the workforce, cell phones, I think were. In your car at that point, we had flip phones. It wasn't like anything else. And all of a sudden, I'm on the red carpet. I am with celebrities. I'm getting recognized with Johnson and Johnson. Um, Alex Skorsky is the corporate humanitarian award winner, and Barbara Majeski Stay Mom, is like the. I don't know what I do.
0: But it's part and parcel of your spirit and who you are.
1: I, I couldn't, but I could have never thought, like, that's the crazy part. So it, That's the lesson is like, I didn't do this to get a humanitarian award. I didn't that's even know they, this was part yeah. of the jazzy pants of it. But <laughs> to bring this all full circle, there's so much in this. Oh, you're, I hope your audience hears this. Let me bring all this. There were three things that it just comes out of this, this one initiative to help and serve and give a voice to speak to the underserved. What ended up happening was Um, I was diagnosed that year, that same year. Uh, Um, That award was in May 2015. I was diagnosed in November. I was given that award. Alex Gorski of Johnson & Johnson heard of my diagnosis and reached out directly and said, what do you need? So I had full on like Johnson & Johnson behind me to make sure I got out of this, right? That's number one. Number two, fast forward, I survived cancer and I'm like, all right, now that I'm going to go big because I made a vow and I'm like, I'm going to go big. I'm like, I'm going to go on TV. I'm going to go on TV. I don't know. I just want to be, it was my dream. Now I got to, now I get a second shot at living it. I call this media trainer. (laughs) Remember, I've been a stay-at-home mom for a decade, 12 years. I call this media trainer. I find off the interwebs, off of uh, Instagram. She picks up the phone. The assistant is like, you know what? You sound pretty good. Let me give you to Amy Rosenblum. All of a sudden I get like right into Amy Rosenblum because I sounded good on the phone, I guess. Amy's like, what's your name? I'm like, Barbara she go, She types in my name. Guess what comes up? Mm-hmm. All of my work for Operation Smile. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I was a nobody on the Internet. I mm-hmm. had no social footprint. But instead, when she Googled, she goes, is this you at Operation Smile and you can do public speaking? I said, yes, I can do public speaking. I, I, I worked in sales and I, I speak well. She goes, I want you in my office Next Tuesday, are you free? And I was like, now Amy has been the executive producer at uh, the third hour of the Today Show, and uh, Maury Povich, I can't, her resume is beyond.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But that, so that was the second, yes, that moved me to the front of the line for Amy Rosenblum, right? All of a sudden, I all of a sudden had validation that I could. And I had been like, celebritized by being mm-hmm. on the carpet and I've mm-hmm. all these, like I was with the, like I was on the news. I mean, I was fancy. I was fancy. <laughs> You're right, fancy. I was fancy. Here's <laughs> the, the third thing that came out of it that is a crazy lesson. <laughs> and remember the impetus for all of this is that um, to, to live in service and serve the Stephen and the Stephens of the world, because I know. Yes. Here's the third thing. After I went through chemo, I came out like, I'm not judging anything. I became like the judgeless wonder. And my daughter has this little X factor and I'm like, "Hmm, maybe she can model. I don't know. Maybe she likes acting. Maybe she likes acting. All of a sudden I stopped saying like child actors only become porn stars and drug addicts. I decided I know all I did was watch, you know, read us magazine. And I was, I had, I had a new, that's another story for another day. So I enrolled my daughter into this modeling agency because I'm like, "What, what do I have to lose? Maybe she'll like it. She doesn't like it. I don't care. But I, why should I judge anything until she's, Long story short, our first booking is for Oscar de la Renta, fashion runway show, and it's at Cipriani's New York, the very same venue that I was given that humanitarian award at. So -hmm. when she got there, she had already been there because she saw me get on the stage and, like, walk up there like a boss. So when they put her on that stage, she walked just like her mom. Like, she was like, and she was four. She was like, I've been here. My mama showed me how to do I when I saw the universe and I saw my daughter come out, I cried, Megan, because oh yes. I was four blocks, five blocks, whatever it is, I was blocks away from my infusion suite. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Watching my four-year-old just all her, I don't have, I don't have that, I didn't have that, I wasn't that four-year-old, I may be that at 40 something. Oh, I was bawling. I have a little blog post on it, but the emotions, the gratitude I had to be there, seeing her, blah, 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 like the, the story. So anyway, the more you give, the more you get. And that is the
0: the bottom line. The and bottom
1: it's, line. it's so we say it's cliche, but I'm like, stop living in fear. What if somebody steals my idea? I talked to somebody, I'm just like, I'm afraid, I don't want to put it out there. People are gonna steal my idea. I mean, nobody can steal you. People steal Van Cleef and our pals. People mimic uh, you know, Tiffany's and Chanel. It doesn't make it just showed like imitation is the highest form of flattery. Right. I right. really say go big, don't be afraid. Um, and people are gonna mimic you, they're gonna
0: mimic you. I don't think it's only you can produce what you can produce. Your um, personal brand, it's who you are, yeah, it's what you are. That's but it all started back. When with the babies and with Stephen, you know, and that everything that you've shared today is not a premeditated or plotted or planned. That's what you're saying about stealing your idea. Just even if it is, I mean, I've had ideas like when I started glycolic. I mean, goodness gracious, did I think I was going to be the only glycolic acid line out there? I was probably the least funded, you know. But uh, the bottom line is, it's my story it's not their story. How this ends, it doesn't matter. It's my story. So that's what you have, it's Mm -hmm. your story. This is who you are and this has not stopped and this is just starting and uh, just really amazing. I mean, not amazing, but amazing from the standpoint that the world just limits us. And, And
1: we become very fearful
0: and fear is something very, we have,
1: listen, we are naturally biologically geared to go to the, the worst scenario mm-hmm. because that's the human experience. And we have to protect ourselves from walking into oncoming traffic and look out for lions and tigers and bears. This is just our genetic, our, our predispositions. But we do need to mitigate it through rational thinking of like, you know what? I don't think a wild buffalo is going to take us out today. And you know what? Maybe somebody will. But, you know, I, I want other people's light to shine. And if I give people the keys to the kingdom of how to become an on-air television personality, how to be a lifestyle expert, how to like do TikToks that go viral, it doesn't diminish my, it doesn't diminish what are they gonna get, like people, somebody will be like, well, they might get the booking over you. I right. would I want to celebrate other people I want other people to succeed that doesn't It just doesn't bother me I really feel like I take um and Molly is a good friend like that she just is your biggest hype person and I always want to be that and I want to just close on this because I know we're wrapping but this yes, is a message I met Oprah once Barely. I was at an after show and asked her a question that's the story but I asked her, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who aspired for her level of success? And her answer was success. You can't aspire for anybody's level of success. Success is a byproduct of living in service and helping others. Right. And when she said that to me, I knew she was talking to me. Oprah has that thing, you know, that thing, yep. like it's a vibe energy thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I felt like she chose me out of the gazillions of them in the audience and I, that landed and it's never left to me because in that moment I thought of Stephen and I was mm-hmm. like, got it, got mm-hmm. it. And, and that was 2004, 2004. Um, and I think that's where this
0: is where that the conversation begins and ends. That well, I, I, just I just wanted to uh, you have answered my last question and, and of the 60 some odd, maybe 70 some odd uh, unique leaders I have done. Um, I end because you're so, I, I just love talking with you and listening to your stories, but, um, I end the same way and you on some level have just answered it. So I'm going to tie it together with this. It's about three feet from gold, you know, Sharon Lecter, Greg Reed, and she has her success formula in that bar. And it is your passion plus talent times association times action plus faith equals success. Now, what I say to everyone is I'm not asking you to share every piece of that. But what is your passion? Just to clarify and be, you know, focused back into everything you've shared. What would you say your passion is and what is your talent?
1: I feel that my passion is to help others get out of their own way, live their best life and find their alignment with their calling, their purpose. Mm -hmm. And my talent is inspiring those to do so by using my stories to shine a light, that they too have purpose and massive potential. So yes. that is my passion. And I believe my greatest talent is helping to inspire others, get out of their own way, live their best life, and um, live a life of, you know, they say it, the purpose of life is to live a life of purpose. Yes. And, uh, and that's
0: you do what that.
1: I do And, and you do
0: that. it every day, my love, every Thank day. You. Well, thank you, Barbara Majeski, for joining me today and sharing a bit—a bit of Barbara Majeski. And Barbara is just beginning; uh, she is still with the Today Show. Uh, featured. Um, uh, uh, what's the, your title? I'm an on-air television uh,
1: lifestyle expert. I do have a show coming up, October 29th. I will be on the Plaza. Uh, do, uh, back oh yes, in- on the Plaza. Oh, wow. I, just got, I just got the information yesterday. It's a big deal because it's the yes. Halloween segment for the Today Show. Talk about living your dreams. Amen. The Plaza Halloween. Amen.
0: Amen. Yay. And what's the date again? Uh, next Friday, October 29th. Okay. We'll put it in the uh, text of this and we'll make sure that's there. But so Barbara is continuing on and a a major, major spokesperson on uh, the Clubhouse platform, the entire platform and Breakfast with Champions and doing all sorts of um, lives and courses and trainings and so forth and just doing exactly what your passion and talent is. Thank you, Barbara, for being with me today. Thanks, Megan. I appreciate you too. See you soon. Be blessed. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Unique Leaders Podcast. If we said something today that resonated with you, please connect with me at megandimartino.com. I have a free gift for you. My book, Hope and Possibilities, just over the horizon. It's never too early or too late to create the life of your dreams. And don't forget to head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. I would truly appreciate it. Be blessed.